So you're a dentist, eh? You're in the right place. This is the Canadian Dentist Podcast with Dr. Carlo Biasucci, where you'll get a truly Canadian approach to building a low-stress, highly profitable practice and live life on your terms. Learn more at TheElitePractice.com. I get this question a lot, so I just want to get your take on it. So do you recommend mailing or emailing the newsletter and why? Good question. So if we look at the stats for mail versus email, email is the new junk mail, okay? Email anything is, first of all, the longevity of email is seconds. The longevity of mail is days. So an average piece of mail, um, you know, gets into the house and lasts, I think it's like seven to 10 days. Okay. An email lasts like seconds. I'm either opening it or I'm not. If I'm opening it, it's like I got to read it. Nah, not that that interested. So first of all, there's open rates. Like, well, I'm sending it by email. Isn't that good enough? No, not even close. Now, budget is a factor. So if I can't afford it at this time to send it by mail, is sending it by email better than nothing? Yes. Is it the same? No, not even close. So if I mail something, the person is likely to now engage with it. They might open it. They might see a headline. Oh, that looks interesting. I don't have time to read that now. Instead of clicking delete, they're just going to put it aside mm-hmm. on the counter. And they'll come back to it when they have time, when the kids are sleeping. Right? So the difference is engagement is totally different. Read time is totally different. Longevity in the house, totally different. It's the same for anything. Mail versus email is night and day. Now, does it mean you don't do both? No, I would do both, right? If I have the option, I'm going to mail it. Would I still email it? Yeah. Why? Because it's free. Mm-hmm. When that changes, then maybe I'll change my mind, right? There's, right? there's been talk of, you know, taxing emails, and that may happen at some point, right? Oh, geez. They've been talking about it for years, so I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it might. Um, you know, but I would say you're not even in the same world. If you look at the real stats, um, I forget the... Uh, the source, the source escapes me, so I won't quote it. But basically, the the effectiveness of one versus the other, you're not even in the same world. So I know that it costs a dollar a piece to send a newsletter, to an addressed newsletter. Mm-hmm. An unaddressed newsletter is about half that. Right. Whereas it costs you peanuts or nothing to send an email, just time. Now, we generally, our, our, our members don't pay for any of that, so we cover that. Right. So why not just do it? Well, okay. But... To say I'm doing that so I don't need to do this? No. You know, I would try to figure out what's my budget. Like if I only have, you know, eight or nine thousand dollars that I can allow for this, do I just mail it for two months or do I strategically mail it quarterly? Yeah, I would do it like that. I would try to break it up in a way where maybe I'm sending at least every 90 days I'm sending one, mm-hmm. which is better than zero. Every other month is better than, you know, 90 days if you can help it. Every month is nice, but you don't have to. Like we did it monthly, but we don't, you don't have to do it monthly and, you know, spend some time in there to make it engaging, right? Personal stories, articles that the doctor actually writes themselves, right? So they can, the patients can get to know you. The newsletters that we create, by the way, I should just differentiate are retention newsletters. They're designed to create that retention, that relationship with patients. 
they're not designed to attract new patients. There's a different style that I would use if I was just mailing it to the mass public, right? Mm -hmm. And we have that ability. So if anyone wants to talk about that, just talk to us. But the ones that we design for everyone monthly, those are designed to be engaging for people on a month to month. Now, I used to write my own articles for all of them. The cover article was mine. We always did a new employee spotlight and then we just recycled them when we got to the end, right? So that patients have that connection with the office. They, they get to know people. There's, there's something happening between appointments. If the only mail you send them is bills, then you're not nurturing the relationship, right? And you might say, well, you know, they're already patients. So why should I spend? <clears throat> Democratized spending is stupid, right? Which means if I spend, if I, if I, and if I neglect my own patient base, first of all, and I'm trying to chase the new patients, well, first of all, you know, the, the existing patient will spend more, will refer more and so on. The lifetime value is, they're already a patient. Like it's so much easier to keep them a patient, but you have to put some energy into that, right? By not, by, by trying to, to take your marketing budget and, and thinking about it from the perspective of how much can I put out there in the marketplace to get new patients, you are missing what you already have. It's, you know, I, I would say uh, the 80-20 rule applies. 20% of your patients are responsible for 80% of your income. Right. If you neglect the ones you have, then trying to make that up in a competitive market, in a COVID market like now, um, that's going to be tough. You know, I would, I would, this is why we always start with internal marketing in our process, right? right. External, yeah, there's tons of external strategies. Absolutely. And I would highly recommend it. But if you don't have your internal game down, you're going to bring them in the front door and lose them months back. What's the point? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Canadian Dentist Podcast. If you want to know how Dr. Biasucci tripled his practice in three years and cut his work week in half, request your free information kit at theelitepractice.com.